0: Hello, my dear listeners, and thank you for joining me today. So if you listened to last week's episode, you will know that I am on vacation in New Jersey. And I mentioned at the end of last week's episode that I would be sharing a story about an honor I received when I arrived here that was hard for me to accept because of this voice in my head saying basically, who are you to, to do this and to receive this honor? So let's get right to it. On the day I arrived here, which was July eighteenth, a great aunt of mine passed away. Her name was Elaine, and she had a stroke about five years ago, and her health has been deteriorating over the last uh, several years. And it was really unclear for a long time how long she was going to remain alive. Elaine was old. She lived a full life. She was in her 90s. Now, the kind of eerie thing about this whole story is that nearly every single person in my extended family lives in New Jersey. When you count all the cousins, all the kids, the aunts, the uncles, the grandparents, we we are many, many, many in number. I don't even know the number, to be honest, but we're a lot. And besides me, who left New Jersey and moved to Israel, there was one other part of this pretty big family who also moved away. And this happens to be Elaine and her daughter and their family. So anyway, they moved out West and I haven't seen them in like, I don't know, like 20 years or something like that. Even though I've remained in touch with Elaine's daughter, my cousin. Anyway, so what are the chances in the many years that Elaine has not been doing well, In fact, I know she was in hospice even for a while. What are the chances that she would pass away on the exact date that I would fly in to visit my family on July 18th, that I, of course, booked tickets for like six months in advance? I mean, really, how weird, how eerie, how whatever the word is, is that that both of those incidents happened on the same exact day? What's even weirder is most of the time when I fly out of Israel, I fly in the evening. And so when I arrive in the United States, it's actually the next day. But this was the first time I've ever taken a daytime flight. So I actually left Israel in the early afternoon on the 18th and still arrived in the United States on the 18th. My parents picked me up and the first thing they told me when I arrived is Anne Elaine passed away today. So Elaine's daughter, my cousin, she knew the whole time that even though they lived out West, they were going to have the funeral and her mother would be buried here in New Jersey because she wanted her mother to be buried next to her husband who already passed away and her son who passed away and and the rest of the family. And so because... That family lives out west and they don't belong to a synagogue here in New Jersey. They didn't really have the privilege of asking um, their rabbi to arrange the funeral services. And while they could have hired a rabbi, um, my cousin didn't want to do that. And so my cousin asked my father and me to basically lead the funeral service. I think she turned to us because of our passion and our closeness to Judaism. And at first I was like, yes, of course, what an honor. And then I was like, wait a minute, (laughs) who am I to lead a funeral service? I have never led a funeral service in my life. I don't know how to lead a funeral service. I don't know what the prayers are for funeral services. I don't know if there are psalms that are supposed to be chanted and if they are, which ones? I don't know anything, right? And more than this, my cousin not only asked us to lead the funeral service, but she asked us to lead the services back at the home. Because in the Jewish tradition, when someone dies, the mourner is obligated actually to sit in the home, the mourner's home for seven days, where family and friends uh, can come and grieve with you. And typically there are services that are led in the home, And from my experiences, it's usually done by a rabbi. And here she is. She asked my dad and me to do this. Now, I say me and my dad because the truth of the matter is she asked my dad first, not knowing that I was going to even be in from Israel. But when I spoke with my dad, he actually told me that he had already consulted with a rabbi months, months and months ago to figure out like how to arrange all of this. And he still felt really super unsure and uncertain and unclear as to how to create a meaningful funeral service and a meaningful prayer service for when the mourners were sitting in the home. And this is where I caught myself. Maybe it was because I didn't want to leave my dad in a lurch, or maybe it was because I just caught myself. I just watched my mind telling myself lies about what I can do and what I cannot do, right? This is our mind. Our mind wants to stay comfortable, right? By challenging the mind to go beyond your comfort zone, it makes the mind feel defensive and it makes the mind feel like in a place of fear. And it doesn't like that. So it would much rather just stay comfortable. And I'm aware of that. I am so aware of that because I do this process of getting unstuck multiple times a day. And it's a process to get yourself out of the stories of your mind that the stories are basically working against you, not to hurt you, but they're there to protect you in a way. Anyway, so what did I do? I got myself unstuck, of course. I used the stuck method. S, I took a stop. I actually went up to my childhood bedroom and... I opened the blinds, I looked out the window, and I just sat there and took a couple of breaths and really tried to get myself present rather than staying inside of the story of fear, right, and uncertainty. So T, I told myself, I am stuck on fear, I'm stuck on uncertainty, I'm stuck on um, maybe like having little faith in myself, right? I had these fears of basically like future fears of what I can or cannot do. And I and again, I just sat there and just allowed myself to see what that feels like, allowed myself to feel those feelings because I'm human and humans have feelings and that's okay. So I wasn't acting on those feelings. I was just sitting there and allowing myself to feel them. And then you, I uncovered what is underneath those feelings? Where are those feelings coming from? And I came up with many thoughts, some of which were, um, I believe I can't stand in front of a crowd and sing, because I knew that, you know, chanting or singing a psalm would be a part of this process. I believe I can't put a funeral service together. Um, I believe I have no idea even where to start to create a, um, a meaningful service for the home. I believe I can't figure any of this out on my own. I believe I just can't. Like, just it, I, I can't. <laughs> like, who am I, right? This is, this is not my job and I'm not supposed to be doing this. That's another one, actually. But when I looked back on my beliefs, because I wrote them down, I realized that none of them are 100% true, right? Like, for instance, like, how do I know for sure? How do I really know that I am not supposed to be doing this? How do I know that? That's just a lie in my head or that's just, those are just thoughts in my mind. I don't know that I'm not supposed to. You know what? Maybe I am supposed to, right? So by canceling out all of those thoughts or by recognizing that they're not 100% true, I went on to the next step. C, consider. And I thought to myself, I can consider going online and doing research on how to create a meaningful funeral and home service. And I considered that I can reach out to a rabbi friend and consult with her. And I can consider writing to my cousin and asking her a lot of questions so that I would have material to put inside of this service. I considered that I, I wrote a book, right? I wrote actually an award-winning book. So if I wrote a book, I can maybe write a funeral service. Right That's in the realm of possibility, remember that's what considerations are. Considerations are not thoughts that you have to marry or take on. Considerations are just thoughts that are in the realm of possibility, right? So I can consider that I can write a funeral service. I can consider this is a a mitzvah, which in Judaism is I don't want to go into it now, but it's kind of like a, a good deed um also part like commandment, but but basically I'm I'm doing something not for me, but I'm doing this for the sake of my cousin. Um and the last thing I considered was that my cousin believes in me. And that my cousin wouldn't have asked me to help her out had she not believed in me. And when I actually did reach out to my rabbi friend in Jerusalem, she I think she heard me like stuck on fear. And she also said to me, Shira, you can do this. You're good at this. You know how to speak in front of a crowd. because She knows because she invited me once to one of her uh, weekend retreats and I was a guest speaker there. So she, she knows firsthand that I can speak. And she said, you're passionate. And she's like, you've got this. And that was it. So when I went to work researching and writing and corresponding with my cousin and writing some more and editing and sending it back to my dad who reviewed it and edited more, I think I probably had something like, I don't know, 20 drafts of this funeral script alone. But by the end of the funeral service, I felt really complete. The truth of the matter is, I didn't do very much at all. I chanted the opening psalm, but the rest was in my dad's hands. He was the one who stood up at the pulpit to conduct the ceremony. And I know he was the most confident that he could possibly be because he had this script that I worked so hard on. And the reason that I had so much faith in that script is because of the belief that was instilled in me by my cousin and then later my rabbi friend. When the ceremony was over and we were in the car on the way to the cemetery for the graveside funeral, which I also led, I told myself that it was okay that I got stuck on fear and uncertainty. It happens, right? But I moved on from it. My friends, our minds do the craziest things to us. And if we don't learn how to control our minds, our minds will control us. They just will. Just watch your mind and you'll see it happen. Had I not controlled my mind, I would have never put this funeral service together. And my cousin would have been left with like pretty much nothing to really honor and memorialize her mother. And what a terrible disappointment that would have been. Truly, I am so, so, so grateful that I got myself unstuck from that so that I could be of service to her and to the family. What about you? Have you ever been stuck in a situation where your mind is telling you that you can't, that you are not good enough, that like, who are you, that there's no way, it can't be you. Maybe somebody else can do it, but not you. Anything like that? Have you ever had that before in your mind? I'm sure you have. We all have. So my question is, can you consider, even if you don't believe in yourself, that perhaps someone else out there does believe in you. I think we all need someone out there in our lives, whether it's a parent, a coach, a friend, a spouse, someone who really believes in you. So that when your mind goes negative and into places of I can't or who am I, this other person will remind you that it's just your mind that's doing that you know, to protect you. But and that, of course, your mind isn't serving you in that moment. And that you actually can. And having that outside support will help you evolve and move forward with your greatest potential. Do you have someone like that in your life? And if you don't, I would strongly encourage you to find one. Getting unstuck is a practice, my dear friends, it takes work. But I don't know any other way of going about this. You know, you can choose not to do the work, and you can choose not to get unstuck. But, but I challenge you, I really challenge you, if you choose not to get unstuck, just notice where you get. And then look at the people around you who do do the work to get unstuck in their lives and notice where they get. There is a difference, my friends, that you will see. All right, my dear friends, I am still in New Jersey, and I might be sharing with you another New Jersey story next week. But that is it for today. And thank you for joining me. And as always, I look forward to getting unstuck with you. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Getting Unstuck podcast. For more information on programs, workshops, and retreats, check out our website, www.thestuckmethod.com.